As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need all in one place. For free. Record, distribute, and monetize. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need all in one place. For free. Record, distribute and monetize. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Tune in to Africa Business Radio www.africabusinessradio.com Find us on Facebook Africa Business Radio and on Twitter Africa Biz Radio Towards a Profitable Africa The drums are going tonight She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words he turned to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. Bonani, Jumbo, Hello Africa. A real hearty welcome again to Art Means Business right here on Africa Business Radio. Towards a profitable Africa. I'm your host, Nonsansa Machazi. We started our show this week with the sounds of Toto and the song is Africa. It is one of my favorites and is a favorite of my guest today, Mr. Daniel Mosaka. Of course, you know by now that today's playlist is courtesy for our guest. So this mu- his music today will help you get an insight onto who he is and what has informed his work and why he's playing in the art space. Um, the other important thing that I need to say before we get deep into chatting to Daniel is that what makes Daniel an exciting guest is that um, Daniel and I have worked together in the art space, curating a couple of um, fine arts exhibitions, and it's been a wonderful experience. But he also has an amazing CV and really a history in the African art scene. Um, Daniel is not only renowned as an artist in his own right, but he's also 
a brilliant academics amongst his other achievements. He's also a businessman. And I think that today he encapsulates where we want to be in the conversation around Africa and the creative economy. We're hearing it from front of face. We're hearing it from an analytical academic perspective. And we're hearing it from a business perspective as well. On art means business. A quick rundown of who this man Daniel Mosaka is. Well, Daniel Mosaka is, is an arts practitioner, as I've said. He's currently a UNISA PhD student candidate, so he'll be giving us a good academic perspective of the arts on the continent. He's majored in fine arts. He has two honors degrees in information science and in history of art, as well as a postgraduate diploma in museum and heritage studies. He was conferred two master's degrees in fine arts and in museum and heritage studies. He is a refined art curator, educator, critic, and researcher. But what also makes him fascinating and interesting, I think, for us is his philosophy about art. It's about the intricate and striking patterns that are reflective of a double-edged sword of social cohesion benefits and challenges. We want to unpack that today. His art also asks questions about exclusion, partial inclusion practices, and patterns that often confront people living in cosmopolitan areas in South Africa and, of course, in Africa. His art... He uses, um, in his art, I beg your pardon, he uses recognizable patterns, patterns that are metaphoric representations of empathetic expressions for those whose human rights are transgressed. So there's going to be a lot of unpacking uh, during the show around social cohesion, challenges, humanity, life and how it's expressed in an art form. Over the years, his body of works and study and observations have been made, have been about the perceptions and perspectives Perceptions, I think, is the right word to use. Yeah, perceptions and looking at how inclusive and how exclusive society is. He uses this and depicts it in physical vis- visual angles. He explores interlocked motives and patterns. In his words, and I this I will quote directly. He says, "I exclude images of human figures in my works of art to make loud comments about the absence of what needs to be present, being cohesive social environments." Not only are we going to be exploring his philosophy, his academic um, prowess, but we're also going to be looking at his business work through his company called DRM. I'm it's DRM, yeah. And how he's helped to position the art space in South Africa and Africa as a business opportunity and how he's been mentoring young and up-and-coming artists to not only understand the aesthetic uh, qualitative side of their profession, but also the business angle. A warm welcome to our show, Daniel, and I'm looking forward to sharing your knowledge about the creative industry as a whole, from front of face to behind the scenes in South Africa and in Africa from your personal perspective. Welcome to Art Means Business. Thanks for coming into the business. Thank you very much. Um, but before we have our conversation about the creative industries from all three angles i'd like us to take a short break and when we come straight back into it i'd also like to invite you out there at home to join us in the conversation remember that we can reach us on our twitter handle which is art means biz also um hashtag africa biz radio or on our facebook channel africa business radio Business news, business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from expert and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. From Lesotho, from Botswana, from Swaziland, from all the hinterlands of Southern and Central Africa, this train carries young and old African men who are conscripted to come and work on contract in the gold and mineral mines of Johannesburg and its surrounding metropoli. 16 hours or more a day for almost no pay. Deep, deep 
earth when they are digging and drilling for that shiny, mighty, evasive stone, or when they dish that mishmash mash food into their iron plates with the iron shovel, or when they sit in their stinky, funky, filthy, flea-ridden barracks and hostels, they think about the loved ones they may never see again because they might already have been forcibly removed from where they last left them or wantonly murdered in the dead of night by roving and marauding gangs of no particular origin we are told they think about their lands and their herds that were taken away from them with the gun and the bomb and the tear gas and the gatling and the cannon and when they hear that choo-choo train a chugging and a pumping and a smoking and a pushing and a pumping crying and a steaming They always curse and they curse the coal train, the coal train that brought them to Johannesburg. back to Art Means Business on Africa Business Radio Towards a Profitable Africa. That was Stimela by Huma Segela. I think an apt entry into getting to know our artist today, who is Daniel Mosaka, who has experience from not only working in South Africa, but working throughout the continent. His train today, Stimela Saka Daniel, ha- is going to be... Um, dropping off some very valuable information and content as we walk the journey through his life. Hopefully we'll learn a lot more about what it means to be an artist on the continent, what it means to be an academic on the continent, and also what it means to be a businessman in the space of the arts. Hi, Daniel. Welcome to our show. Thanks once more for welcoming to the Africa Business Radio Station. Thank you. Before we get into the nitty-gritties of art and, and, and all the technical stuff, Tell me, Daniel, what got you into the arts? It's very unusual for, um, you know, someone, uh, our generation and the, on the continent to quite openly, freely and, you know, with all the family support and everything to study fine arts. I mean, people must have thought you were insane. Absolutely. Uh, I think it began at home. I mean, uh, I informed my parents that I post matric, I like to go to university. I mean, by then, going to university was just a privilege. Whatever you're going to study there, you'll find out when you're there. <laughs> so my parents were having intention that I should be there to study medicine. And my mom <laughs> wanted me to be a, a, a teacher. And I went to university, which was the Northwest University by then. Yeah. And then the courses that were chosen... That by the time I came in, because I didn't apply, they were full. So <laughs> the only one reserved was fine art. And then they had to just uh, mentor us on what this fine art is all about and so on. But incidentally, in my last dream and my family, my grandfather had an artistic influence. Okay. Then I started observing that. And then and when I was at high school, I started uh, becoming an entrepreneur. I used to get school bags from students and start doing some artworks on them, colorful ones. And then they came to me, I did that, and I was financed. So I brought that as well into play. And then, I mean, that's how I became I became a, a, an enthusiastic uh, art studier. Okay, so very early on, uh, but first I want to touch on the fact that you landed on the space accidentally. When you are in high school, did you ever, you know, tamper with the arts? Were you in, in an arts program in high school? Were you privileged enough to be in a school where art is taught? Well, I must be honest, if you have been back in the 80s, to be in high school, you were in a township high school, whereby the only important thing in the school was a laboratory, which was also <laughs> ill-equipped. To have an art studio was a privilege. So we didn't have any art, art influence. It was just handworks, go home and do homeworks and come back and so on. And there was no internet to study what artworks is all about. So it was that uh, creative uh, bloodstream art influence that I had and then observed and I started uh, doing some cartoon networks on the people's school bags and then I thought that was like a, my road to fame. So you are basically a self-taught artist? 
I'll say so. I'm more of a self-taught artist from observations and mm-hmm. mainly from, uh, as I say, my, my, my grandfather was more of a crafter. He was modeling, carving wood. And I think that has got an artistic nerve and root towards it. Yeah. But going uh, into what you call high-end high art, which is a more fine art, I surely met at the tertiary. Oh, you met at that university. Yes. I just want to ask a quick question about your grandfather. Were you able, did you ever work with him or um, was was it just a kind of spiritual gift in the family, you could say? I was more of a spiritual gift because the items that I saw that he, he produced, the items that he produced Prior to my being born, my, my, my father was there present. And then he was already elderly. They said this was done by him. So I just observed. Oh, so you that. actually observed. You never physically worked with him Absolutely. on the pieces. Then let's let's fast forward to your um, tertiary or university level at University of the Northwest. What was that experience like in terms of having had this practical taste of the arts in high school and then now trying to combine theory and the physical work in the arts? It was uh, much more challenging because, I mean, uh, we were then given advice that you must become an art teacher. Whatever you do in a career, you must become a person who will share it with the fu- uh, future beings. So I studied art in education. And, oh, uh, yes. And yeah. then I had to couple that with other subjects, which was uh, education, history of art, and painting. But mainly as a painter and as an art student, I was much more enthusiastic of what is it that I'll share with the society when I go out of this tertiary institution? So the focus wasn't about building your particular skills. It was more about learning more about fine arts in order to become a teacher and and and, and impart knowledge. Absolutely. About in order that. to in order to share it, in order to teach and share it. Because mainly we were much more privileged because we were given material. We didn't buy material. We give material. So they had to have an output of what they invest in us so they can go back to the society, a broader community. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. So um, when you look at that foundation, do you see that maybe perhaps it influenced also, I see in your in your background, a very strong academic angle to the, the, the space of the arts? It had a great influence, to be honest, because, I mean, on my first year, moving to my second year, we were then introduced to exhibitions. We had to frame our works and then enter them for exhibitions. And then I won a third prize on that one. And over and, over and above, some of the works were sent to Finland and I won a bronze medal. And I, and I realized that oh, wow. you get international recognition through talent. And then I was very much uh, interested to pursue and pursue it. But um, I'm also hearing that it's not enough to just have talent. There needs to be some sort of teaching academic rigor behind, you know, your talent and, and refining your talent, if that's if that's the correct word to use. Indeed. Uh, I think as, a, as being in a space, you need to have a good mentor. Being in a space, you need to have a good apprentice person to teach you because it's more of like a workshop. You don't just learn like uh, you're in training, just like someone in the medical world. You need to learn from observation. Yeah. So the tutors who were offering lessons, they were like Frank Lidimo, kept on showing us what they did, how you do it, and you were mentored right through there. The main thing that you were taught is the tools. The design principles, how you use a line, how you use a composition, how you use color, how to make contrasting colors next to one another. But going forward, your subjectivity and your creativity needs to come to play. I like the fact that you're looking, you're talking about tools and design principles, etc. There is a general perception out there that art is you wake up in the morning, you suck your thumb, 
you somewhere metaphorically in some other universe a dream comes through and then you create um but what i'm hearing from you is that there's a lot of technical um rigor and 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 a whole learning and study experience behind a career in the arts. So from that, what would you say are the key fundamentals around the technical side of becoming an, a professional artist? Well, being a professional artist, you must first have an uh, enthusiastic in, input <laughs> in you. Mm-hmm. You must try, it must be the drive. Even above, you must have the suitcase that you know what is that you're going to use, whether you're going to use carving as in sculpture, you're going to use painting as in brushes, and when you're going to use printing as in a graphic design. But all those, you need to have a particular stream, and then that stream doesn't mean that it's like as in silo. They can meet at the top. They can over-influence each other. Mm-hmm. So having that in mind, then you come with the design principles. If you don't know what line is used for, how is it used in a drawing, what does it mean, surely you just make a mess. But there's constructive mess in it. When you look at a caricature and doodle that kids do, they have a mess which is constructive because they follow the line. They don't leave the pen. Mm-hmm. But when you start growing up, you start realizing that this is how their life is in the mess. This is how their life is. So art can be used as therapy as well because through that you can read a lot of the message from the artwork. From the artwork. And when you going back to again to the design principles, um, here I am, I'm Nonchantla and I've been doodling at home and people say I'm talented. And then you come through as as Daniel and say, Yes, you're talented, but so I want to just, you know, get a little bit of an understanding of what that a tertiary experience is around fine arts. Okay. Good. You will be talented, of course, doing an artwork like that. But I come in as a tertiary person, as an academic person, I go like, this is a good artwork, but we can mold it better this way. That's why in artwork and art exhibition, there's this thing called professionalism yeah. and self-taught. Self-taught artists are good artists, but when you look at their work, it's either out of balance when you look at visually, because the visual composition must be there, or maybe the color com- combination is not that much contrasting. So that artwork doesn't illuminate. But when you bring the academic element into it, you mold it up, you finish mm-hmm, it up, mm-hmm. hence professional art, hence what is called high-end art. So it's almost like you might be a really um, uh, um, brilliant mechanic in your backyard, but unless you actually go to... A, a, a mechanic school I don't know if, if, such a, if they call it that a mechanic school you will never be able to bring out the best in an, in an engine and the best performance from an engine absolutely I think uh, the knowledge will be there but you need a tutor you need a mentor someone who will guide you through the practice it can be a period of 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years because after you go through that period of term or that particular term you are then called a master. That means someone mentored you to become a to master. become a master. Yeah. So you are a master artist. And and then in your uh, in in my background about you know who you are etc. There is a part where we talk about your philosophy uh, in the arts. How does that evolve? How do you get to the point where you have a philosophy? And also, is it important to have a philosophy? Just two questions. Well, academically as a researcher, you need to have a research niche. You need to have a particular niche. You need to investigate, research, archive and share and and go to conferences and defend it, you know. So as an artist, you need to have a particular research component. And my research component was that of social question because you look at, at a society, you look at social ills, and your art must be used internationally because art is a universal language. Mm-hmm. They may need to exhibit it internationally. People must be able to decode and transcend the message that you put into it. So it must it must be able to advocate for a particular thing. So mine advocates for social cohesion. So if I'm an artist and I'm not particularly academically inclined, is it important to have a certain philosophy and principle from which I work from? Because with you, obviously, the leaning towards your philosophy also comes from your very deep depth in terms of your academic background. But if I'm just an artist who you've mentored, I become a professional, is it critical for me to have a philosophy or a, a position that I, that, that, communicate, that informs what I communicate in my artwork? Indeed, I'll just make a good um, synergy here, uh, whereby you look at a practitioner who is a, a traditional healer. They specialize in particular illnesses, yeah. particular problems. And in art, you need to have that particular niche that you really conquer. So as a self-taught artist, your dreams come into play. Your intuition comes into play. What is that you observe comes to play? 
people see and see that there's an ill in a society, they want to correct it, they do it in an adult. There's a good thing in a society, they want to promote it, they do it in an adult. So in, in, in that way, you have a particular trend and track record of what is that inspires you. Okay, so it, it also informs, in other words, what inspires you. So let's look at your particular philosophy. Your, um, your philosophy is looking at how um, social cohesion is a double-edged sword. It has benefits and it has challenges. And how have you expressed that in your artworks? And also, before we get into your artworks, please, can you refer uh, everyone to your website so that as we're talking about this philosophy, they can actually see it translated into the, in, in, in your artworks. Just quickly first, your website, so they can go into your works. Okay. Just on a normal Google uh, search engine, type my full name, Daniel Rangari Musako, Daniel Musako, then start following that type of artworks that I produce. Uh-huh. And then now the philosophy, how is it expressed in your works? Okay. I actually, as an artist, you are a creator. You are very creative because nobody tells you put red paint here. Mm-hmm. I mean, being postmaster, nobody tells you put paint, red paint here because you learn throughout your trade. That is how black paint, red paint contrast. That's how yellow and, and green contrast. So you are the designer of your own artwork because it's coming as a white canvas. You know what you're going to do in it before you do it. So it's all in your brain and nobody's going to tell you what to do. They can tell you no to the whole African continent as in business development. You know how you're going to interpret it so that people can see it as a metaphor or as a realistic business development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So by so doing, I'm saying it doesn't have to be academic in line. It can also be person growing up with it, intuition coming in. As a, I mean, you, we can always make reference. Currently, art in South Africa has got this Western influence. But prior to that, we had a cave artist. Cave artists were doing depictions of what was everyday life activities in the environment. Yes. So I still want to push a little bit on how in your works, as people are viewing your works on the net right now, uh, on Google, etc., how in your work, what what reflects the conversations around the double-edged sword of social cohesion? It's inclusivity and it's exclusion. Okay, yes. Because my artwork is an interpretation of what I see in a society. People are more existence in silo. People are mm. more individualistic. But the minute people go in a communal environment, the minute people live in a particular cosmopolitan society, they start understanding that I cannot be Ubuntu comes in there. So the WSI thought is coming this way that when you live in a society, you can benefit from it. But the minute you start becoming individualistic, rejecting the people as in homophobia, you start having your own problems. So my art is that type of thing. I'm saying, here's a problem. Whoever's looking at it, interpret it and let's come with solutions. And then I need to highlight it because I'm the artist. I see it as an ill. As an ill. And the other thing that I quoted you before we got back to the show is saying, you specifically exclude human, Im- human figures in your works. And that you're basically using that to make a loud commentary uh, about the absence of what needs to be present being cohesive social environments. So indeed, my art is not prescriptive. My art is very is very open. It's open to various interpretations. So the minute I put it there, and my art scale is very big. I mean, I work in two meter scale wise, so that when you stand in front of the artwork, you are part of the artwork. You are part of the composition. You as a person, you must come with your own play. What is that you think about it? What is that you're saying about it? And how are you interpreting it? So in that way, I'm saying the society and the would-be audience of my artwork are part of the solution bringers. You also touch a lot about the colonial social economic patterns. And how is that reflected in your work? Firstly, what is your thinking around that and how is that reflected in your work? Okay, we just need to understand that, I mean, before we get this internationally recognized uh, high-end art, there was this exclusion and exclusion that the art produced by Africans during the settlers' time. It was seen as craft. It was seen as mm. native art. Yes. And then only art that was done from with the European concept was seen as a are to be seen in galleries and exhibitions. Mm-hmm. So a few artists like Erasokoto started getting this influence yes. of there's a Western material to be used in, to, in order to become into that very environment as well. But he did not withhold his subject matter because his subject matter was focused on Sophia Town, everyday life, life activities. Sophia Town, yes. So using the Western tool in order to do the narratives of the current society. So that is coming to play for me. So in other words, the, the, we've kind of gone 
360 degrees in how we, 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 we probably produce our art. Um, from what was perceived to be craft, but integrating that with some of the knowledge and techniques from the West in order to create a new kind of art form or, 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 or yeah, new kind of art in, 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 in the current African context. Actually, when you, because a well-informed artist, a well-traveled artist, I mean, I've traveled throughout uh, the African continent. I've been to Nairobi, I've been to Uganda, I've been to Kenya. And then I realized, I realized that people are not limited to Western materials. Yeah. They get these garments, they make collage out of it, they make batik out of it, and they incorporate that into art. They make performance art and they make the visuals. They take photography of them wearing this African gay and then put it in an exhibition as, an, as a photographic image. So we are not limited to Western uh, con- uh, material, but the concept, which is current, we need to have it alive. Because when an artwork is on a wall, it's like an open journal. As, yes. a, as, as a researcher, we'll put a thought in the journal. You read it, and it can be read by different people differently. So an artwork on a wall is very important because its message and its language should be understood by the world itself. In, in, in the world in total, and Absolutely. not just you, not just the African context, but as you said, as an artist, you communicate into the to the world at large. And does that then, when you're saying communicating to the world at large, does it then bring us back to your your philosophy again about always questioning the subject of social cohesion, being able to be part of a greater world, and asking yourself where do you fit into this greater world? Indeed. Because when I went to DRC, I saw how artwork was used in order to be transcend to the general society. You don't need a gallery with four walls to exhibit on artwork. You can mm-hmm. do it in the flea market. It can be accessible for everybody to understand it. But now, basically, in SA, we just need to push an artwork in a gallery space for you to access it. I'm coming with a concept, which is a part of my study. I'm saying, let's do art in the parks. Let's do art in flea markets. Let's, let's get professional artists exhibiting in their regions, at the communal services in their regions, whereby their artwork can be accessed by the people. And when the people access their artwork, it doesn't mean that they are going to adorn the wall. They are going to continue reading the message that you incorporate in it. Okay. Um, I want us to tackle that subject about, um, you know, exhibiting uh, to a wider community because I think it links to one of your um, specialized areas of interest, which is art and its relationship to business. But before we do that, I'd like us to take a commercial break and then also remind everyone at home, please talk to us. This is your show. Talk to us on Art Means Business, also um, Africa Biz Radio, as well as on our Facebook page, Africa Business Radio. The prosperity of your venture into Africa is our goal. We are committed to the success of every business in Africa. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Art Means Business on Africa Business Radio, Towards a Profitable Africa. That there was Lebo Matosa with one of my other favorite songs, I Love Music. And, uh, well, in case you've just joined us, I'm chatting to Daniel Mosaka, a renowned academic, artist, and a businessman in the art scene on the continent and in South Africa in particular. Before we go back to what we were chatting about earlier around um, um, art being your philosophy that art should not be something that is exclusive to galleries, that art should be made accessible in open spaces for the general public and community to enjoy this art and to interpret, to engage with the art. And before we get into that, I want us to first go back to a subject that we did in the first part. Your role as a mentor and a trainer of young emerging artists why did you go into that and why do you think it is important in the world of um, you know, African art to have programs such as yours that mentor and train young and emerging artists? Well, that's a great one. Um, to be honest, I, as, an, as, an, as an artist in training, I realized that how much uh, influence you can get from people and, and how much molding you can get from people who are skilled, who are known masters in the, in the trade. So I started uh, becoming interested in curating exhibitions. Yeah. But when you do, when it, before you create an exhibition, you cannot just nominate the known brands, the known names. You need to mentor. So we started work, working on workshops. We go to schools, we advertise that we are going to have a workshop at a particular community hall on such a day. So people come, we provide material. Then, then I teach and I share the knowledge into the techniques, not the subject matter, but the techniques. How to handle pencil, how to use pencil for crisscross hatching for tonal range, how to use contrasting colors, how to mix red and yellow to produce orange, and how to bring hues into it. It is that technique that you use as a, as a, as a toolbox going forward. And after teaching those techniques, it's up to the would-be artist to use the toolbox explore it further and produce their own art in their own way. Because by so doing, they can easily say, mentored by Daniel Msago, this is how I'm mixing my colors. Uh-huh. And then you can see that cultural influence of who was mentored by who. Because you, if at all a particular good artist shares a skill, it must be it's, it's much more exhibited. Let's say a researcher is having a supervisor. You can see who supervised this researcher because the, the way they said their arguments, it shows the master's yeah. Master straight, and you, you, the, the the thing that impresses me about this program is that it fills a huge gap that we have both in South Africa and in the continent in general. That the the education system, and we discussed that also in our show last week, the education system does not provide not resources um, for people who have a passion and interest and a potential in the art space. 
I mean, right now there is a, even in, in, in most of our schools, never mind that physical tools to use, but the expertise to teach what you're saying, blending colors, lines, etc., using different materials, how you use different materials, understanding the world of, of the arts. We don't even have teachers in that space. Well, you are right, because when I was actually serving in the education department as an, as an art teacher, teaching teachers to become uh, art teachers, what I did in during the training was to share the technique skills much more than the subject matter and so on. So when I say draw a still life, I'm not saying draw a still life as you see it. I say interpret the still life, but it's the technique of drawing a still life. Yes. It's the technique of drawing the outline. This is the technique of approaching it as in choose a particular form, frame, balance it in your eye, then start drawing it. So in so doing, I realized that the culture of art appreciation and art understanding is lagging in South Africa. It's lagging because of the culture of the school curriculum that we had. But currently, uh, new students, new pupils, new schoolgoers, new scholars are having a great understanding. They've got art studios in their schools, but I think they still lack the art techniques in their schools. Okay, because that's interesting when you're saying that that the they are beginning to understand it. I had a feeling that, in a sense, that actually we're still lagging quite uh, behind. That a lot of young emerging uh, artists might not have been aware that they have the capacity to be artists because that platform isn't available in the education system. No, I do concur with you. I agree with you very much around that because the culture of art understanding and art appreciation wouldn't just start when you go to a gallery and see an artwork and yeah. start collecting from there. It will be in a society and the regions from which we exist and you know that there's a known artist, there's a prominent artist, there's an upcoming artist. You need to wear the artwork that you do on your garments. You need to have like a trade in your garments. You go like, the way we dress, the way we cooperate, the way we interact with people, it needs to be that language of art. You see, you know musicians because of the language that they use. Mm. It's not that you see the musician and not the music because you went to a festival. Because in the society, that's how the music is being played. It's being promoted. Yeah. So you need to have a little bit of art workshops, a little bit of uh, art um, skills trade out of a uh, uh, mentoring roundtable discussions around that in schools. Then by so doing, when the youngsters go out of high school, before they go to tertiary, they can go to tertiary study, whatever, but they've got that art skill talent in them. During their spare time, they run their own studio productions. Yes, they exhibit yeah. in galleries, and then that's how artists should be. And that connects to your passion, your other passion, which is making art accessible to a wider community, not sitting in galleries. And how have you been able to do that? Well, I have... Um, struggling a lot but I'm maybe making a breakthrough because when you advertise that you're going to be running an art workshop they then think of you know I think my son is arty let me just send him to this workshop but when he come out of that workshop because they come with good outcomes good products okay and I encourage them that with this products when you get home show your parents or whoever seen our guardians mm. they must frame this artworks they must put them on the wall and the minute they put it on the wall, then they start to have a culture yeah. of appreciation and art understanding. And then that makes it easier when you're now doing art exhibitions in communities um, to get more, to raise more of an awareness around art and, and, and the importance of art. Well, to be honest, in the communities, you still struggle to say, I've got an art exhibition in the park because people wouldn't come. So what do you do? We realize that people follow sports. We go art and sports. Okay, they follow fashion. So art and fashion dialogue. They follow poetry, say art and poetry night. So you always encompass it with other okay. things that are crowd pullers. Then from there, and then you start sharing. They'll see an exhibition on all when they browse around, and there'll be another talk or pre prelude towards the performance that they came for. Let's say they came for poetry night. You go like the artworks on the wall are from a particular workshop which was done on such and such a date. Appreciate them, and then they form the background of this poetry night. And then from there, how do you then um, raise an awareness about the economics behind this career in the arts? Well, that is a very interesting one to ask because when I, I, I when I was growing up studying art, my my mom, my late mom, said, "You know, my son, you're going to walk next to your shoes because you're not going to make <laughs> money with art." So I mean, I started realizing, but when your artwork has got this professional skill in the technique and understanding the composition and so on, framing it, 
put in the gallery. That's where we started selling because my first art piece I sold it was I was doing my first year. And then the bronze medal that I got I got to when I was doing my second year, I started realizing that there are people who appreciate art, no matter where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And African art, to be honest, is being sought after extensively so. Is that the art people in South Africa or in the African continent don't understand that. You don't need a platform to sell internationally. We need a platform to sell within ourselves first. Yes. That culture of art understanding and art college within our own immediate environment is going to give us a platform to exhibit internationally. You're, you're actually hitting a point that we discussed um, last week as well with our guest around local consumption and the importance of, of local consumption. So I am seeing a relationship between your um, making art accessible by partnering with different other creative genres, making fine arts accessible by doing you know more public outdoor um, exhibition in unusual spaces, not necessarily um, the galleries, and that way beginning to develop um, a market for local consumption of your art. Which brings me to the question, was your first art piece sold in South Africa or was it sold elsewhere? Sadly so, to be honest, my first piece was sold, um, okay, okay, to be honest, it was not in my immediate environment. It was sold to a particular institution, they came to an exhibition. So it was bought by an academic institution for their boardrooms. And they realized that this is a very good artwork. It was not based on affordability, it was based on the output that I put in there. So artists and local artists don't need to protest on, I need to sell an artwork for a good profit. No, no, no. Create a good artwork and then people who collect it will also come for more. So it's actually with everything in, in, in any product, you know, be it shoes, be it whatever you do, the primary focus should be on on, on the quality of the piece before you start talking about the finances. The, the finances. And, I, and, I, and one of the observations we've had over the last weeks is that um, when you look at the quality of the artwork and you appreciate the quality of your artwork, you can then also um, value it correctly indeed because when you produce an artwork you will produce something that really resembles a lot of something in a society it talks to you first mm-hmm. you believe in it you're confident and this is a good message that i'm sharing to the society so you can put it in a case exhibition on a canvas in a society people might not even love it but you believe in the message one day one time Someone is going to come and love it. Because when you take an artwork to a flea market, you expect profits. But don't expect profits. Expect that I'm sharing the message to the people. Make it affordable. Dominate it in the society. And people surely come for more. That's where the profit comes in. Okay. I want to go back again to the question of local consumption. So your first art piece was sold locally but bought by an institution that was not necessarily um, from the country. How did you then... Uh, in your career start to begin to bring local interest and bias in your art? Okay, it does through um, business marketing skills because when an exhibition is coming, you do the campaign, you market it very well, radio interviews prior to the exhibition. Uh, currently, you've got social media, put it on, 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 on your Instagram, share it, make loud noise about it before the event comes. And when the event comes, already it has created a vibe of high expectation. People come to the event and then they look at their artworks. And as an artist or as an upcoming artist, do not sell the artwork, negotiate about the artwork. Want the artwork to be in the people's domain than remaining in your storeroom. Okay. So moving from the discussion around local consumption, yes, you put it out there in the market. So in order for local consumption of your work of art to grow, You've put it out there in the market, you've done it, you've displayed it, made it accessible physically. You're also saying that it's important to have certain business skills, which are like marketing and the correct pricing. Am I understanding this correctly? Absolutely. So it brings us to the conversation that says, again, art isn't just something aesthetic and beautiful. There are business principles that are important to have in order for you to make money out of your art. It is very much so, because when you look at the crafters at the craft market, they produce this craft work because they believe in the craft, they believe in the design. As Tamatlangu believes in the composition that she uses, people love those compositions and they go into purchasing them. But she doesn't go for the high pro- uh, uh, profit, go like 
This article, you love it. Okay, I'll sell it to you and produce more. I'll sell it to you and produce more. That's how it became dominant in the in society. So yeah. art for the, for, the, for, for the society within which I live is going to be easily accessible to the society because what I do, I don't just exhibit it and I'm selling it. No, no, no. I'm exhibiting it. And when people love it, because my primary focus is not to sell, is to inculcate the culture of art collection and art understanding. People don't just collect. People appreciate first, get to be educated about the artworks, and from there they collect. Oh, that's an interesting one. Art collection, art appreciation followed by art collection. Absolutely. Oh, that's, a, I've, that's, that's something I have not heard you know, articulated in that way, that the art appreciation is, is your first starting point of your journey and your foray into becoming an art lover and becoming passionate about the arts. Yes, indeed. But now when you check out through the African continent, we need to inculcate that culture very much so because mm-hmm. it was taken away from us. We had a, we had our own dilemmas. We focus on the, on the struggles first. We focus on, the, on some freedoms first. Mm-hmm. We focus on the political freedom first. But now we need to focus on the economic freedom as well. Now, in by so doing, constantly so we can hold exhibitions month after month holding exhibitions making the artwork affordable because as an artist you've got a copyright to reproduce you can reproduce the artwork as well for those who don't afford your high-end yeah. artworks make the prints make them affordable you've got a copyright sell the prints at a, a print fellow then when it's dominant in the society then by so doing you're going like you're creating a a hunger for the food you know when you're talking about um art collection there's something that I've really um, been, been, been wanting to, to engage for a very long time. Today, we just saw internationally that one of, I think, Leonardo da Vinci's pieces went for something like five million American dollars and an auction. Who determines the, the price of the art? Who determines whether an art piece is a collector's item? Who determines, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here and I appreciate the art, but how do I know if I buy a Daniel Mosaka's art, I have invested as, as anybody would invest in the stock exchange or etc. Who determines all of that? Well, there's several categories. There is um, um, primary artworks that are sold by artists from their studios mm-hmm. that are bought by would-be appreciators. And when would-be appreciators have no more interest in the artwork or maybe they're sought after money, they can sell it to an art auctioner. An art auctioner go like, this is what the work was bought for initially. This is a reserve price. And it's called a secondary market in that case. Now. It's not my primary. And at the secondary market, now you've got the reserve price. That's what you bought for at the primary. And any other person who's sorting after that artwork, which is like four or five people who are looking for it, the has bid against it. It goes to the secondary owner. And then again, it will come back to the market should the would-be owner not want it anymore or want to spend money out of it then those secondary markets are the ones that determine the price all the time because they won't sell it lower than what they bought for. And there are several people looking for it. Hence, this price is escalating all the time. No, but I want, I think the, the, the point that I'm trying to raise here is who decides that this work is valuable, that this work is unique, that this is a collector's item? Okay. I'll, I'll, put, it, I'll put it more plain simple. If someone wants to buy my paintbrushes, even if they are finished, because they were used by Daniel Musako, they are buying investment paintbrushes. Because when they sell in the second month, they go like, these paintbrushes were used by Daniel Musako, and I bought them for this value. So who determines the price of an artwork in the market? It is the market itself. It's called the market trend. The market determines the price. The primary market is the artist who determines the price mm-hmm. because he negotiates and sells it for that. But in the secondary market, is the market that determines the price. The demand and supply, supply and demand type of it is the market that determines them. If you are wearing a particular designer suit and then you want to sell it, it's the secondary market. You're not going to sell it less than what you bought it for. And five more people want it because you wear a designer garment, but it was worn by you. So because one something that was worn by you, I've got to be the high speeder to wear it again. I still want to push that point a little bit harder because I think that it talks to this question of the business behind the arts, that the artist is one element of the business. And you've talked about branding, marketing, positioning yourself by doing your own active selling of your of your product. I've always talked about another angle of the business behind the arts, which is where you've also dabbled as well, curator. 
and curator being the person who takes the physical art piece, the story of the artist, packages it and puts it in a position in a way that it becomes considered a must-have or must-access. Is that not correct? That is correct, but I think most artists will, 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 will really jump into that market because you cannot be producer in your studio and go carry artworks and become a market at the same time and then go and go to boardrooms, corporates, and go like, I've got this artwork, you can buy it. By the time you do all the secondary mileage, your studio is running empty. Exactly. And you're not doing anything. So as an artist, you are a producer. There will become a gallery to come and collect artists from you. So you are a producer. They get your products to their shelves, as in shelves of a retail. Then at the retail, then buyers or consumers will come and buy from there. There are those consumers who buy from the suppliers and then as much as well they do when they buy from a studio yeah. is primary. And, and for me, it, um, um, it's also kind of the conversation that we've had about the creative economy and the creative industries that which you embody totally in yourself because on the one hand, you're actually a producer. On the other hand, you also have an experience of, you know, curating and putting together exhibitions, which is an, an, a very important keg in the economic wheel of the creative industries. Somebody who necessarily isn't the producer, but is able to take the product and get it to market. Yes. Hence they say the good art curators are good art marketers. Yeah. They're not just producers, they are marketers because they know they've got an eye who's the most prominent buyer for this artwork. So by so doing, what they do, if I told they need to make a group exhibition because they can make a solo, just your way, yeah. they come and select which works will talk to which clients when the clients come to the exhibition to come and see it. And when they make a group exhibition, they give it a theme because it is a message that sells. Now, it can be social cohesion, it can be identity cohesion, it can be cohesion, it can be uniformity, it can be working together, it can be Ubuntu as a title of the exhibition. Yeah. People come to the title of the exhibition, they see the artworks. And on the floor, the curator talks to people as the people gaze and stand at the go like, you love this piece. This piece will suit your space. This piece was done by the artist. Here's the rationale behind the artwork, the message yeah. behind the artwork. Because people don't just buy what is going to add on their house, they buy the message yeah. as well. And, and that is why you are such an important guest for us because it then goes back to your initial um, discussion about that it's not only about the strokes, it's understanding technique. It's understanding design principles. Because as non-tlantla, even if I can't paint, if I understand those uh, principles, if I understand that conversation, I can have start a career as a curator and actually be somebody who takes product to market and have a successful business doing that. Indeed. I mean, on the business part, I mean, that's a, that's a prominent business because... As an art curator, you don't need to be in a studio. Mm -hmm. You are the link between the artist, which is a production uh, company, and the would-be buyer, which is the retail side. So you are more of a of a freelancer between the two. And by so doing, you've got a good eye. You know, my client's taste is according to this artist. You've got a list of artists that you work with. Then you go to this, you go like, no, I've got a client. You can produce this artwork. That's where the business comes in because by so doing, the artist profits. The artist profits extensively. So you profit as a, as a marketing agent. And who profits again? The end recipient of the artwork because whenever the artwork is sitting in their space, it's got a secondary market. Three, four generations to come, they can yes. set it at an auction for a million. For five million, as we, we saw today, five million U US dollars for, uh, uh, I think it's the highest price ever of any artwork at an auction. Uh, and anyway, on, on back to the subject of curating and that, I think when we look at your academic journey, there is that whole um, philosophical research-based understanding of the arts. Do you know of any program necessarily caters for someone like me who cannot hold a paintbrush but is passionate about the arts and I could possibly be a curator or an exhibitor. Yes, in Africa, the industries are very limited. Mm. You don't have an institution that is like dedicated to teach people on how to become a curator. Yeah. But you need to have an art understanding. So we don't need to forget that we are home-based. We've got mentors within our environments. You go to a particular artist, you go like, no, I'd like to try and take a chance on you. 
You are a good artist. And I see you are very busy in your studio. Let me sell your artwork. Then you go to the industry and go like, I've got a good artist with a good artwork. The message is very clear and good for your corporate. How about making a, it's called a, a presentation. You photograph them, put them in a slide projector, yeah. make a presentation and talk to the would-be buyer of the company. This is a good artwork. And then explain to them that they are not just buying artwork. They are buying the message. At the same time, they are supporting the artist. Over and above, they are buying investment art, which they can sell at a later stage. And how does one, um, in, 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 in the light of the fact that we don't have those institutions, but I want to pursue something, how do I, in this environment, start beginning to look at a career as a curator? It starts with a great concept. It starts, like, starts with uh, thinking about it. They mean to think about it, just do it. Make a list of um, of artists. That sounds too easy, Daniel. Absolutely. So it's as easy as that. I mean, as a curator, I've got a database of art producers. And where did I get a database of art producers? You start going to art exhibitions. It's, people yes. who come to exhibitions. You collect business cards from there. You meet people. You make a list. Oh, you're an artist. I'd like to visit the studio. Visit those studios. See what those artists are producing in their studios. Then so you build a big database. Then now you go to corporates that have the same thematic message as the artist produced. You go like, you know what, I'd like to, I'd like to talk you into investing into art because it carries the same message as your corporate. Then that, that's how you start the link. Okay. And once you have started that link, how do you open the doors into these new markets? You've got a link, you've got the product. How do you then, in a space where you're not trained to do that, how do you start deciding that this particular bank's boardroom likes this, this particular household like this, this particular type of art? At the same time, this is very easy once more. You make business pitches. You, may, you, you set a business meeting. Like, I'd like to make a business pitch with you. I'd like to come and present the artworks that are very good for your corporate. The way I started, I started setting up, you know, when they made the soapy uh, cast in, in uh, CBC, I was like, I've got the best background artworks that can suit what, what this storyline is all about. Oh, okay. Then That's I go, so those artists, I go like, okay, you don't need to buy them. Rent them. Oh. So when you rent them, the artist benefits. I benefit as a, as, a, as a curator. Your studio and audience benefit because now you're selling that message to the greater society. And then Nonchantla sitting at home says, I like that I like piece. That artwork. Who, did, who did that artwork? And then starts researching and starts, you know, connecting to, to, to Daniel and about that artwork. It starts the concept. It starts with the concept. Daniel, before we wrap up our show, I'd like us to take a quick short break. People at home, don't forget we're talking art means business. We're getting to know the artist. Please do talk to us on uh, hashtag art means biz, uh, hashtag Africa Biz Radio and also on our Facebook page um, Africa Business Radio. Let's take a quick short break and then we'll come back and chat a little bit more to Daniel Mosaka, the guy who is giving us 360 degrees of what the art world looks like from his own personal and practical experience. Business news, business resources, economic analysis, market analysis from expert and industry leaders in African enterprise. Get more for a profitable African venture. Africa Business Radio, towards a profitable Africa. Okay, we're back on Art Means Business. We're chatting to Daniel Mosaka, and we want to quickly wrap up um, our conversation. Daniel, you are an artist, you're an academic, and you're a businessman in the arts. What would be your message to our audience today in terms of we've gotten to know you, but where would you like your experience, your knowledge to inform where Africa's art journey goes from now? Well, I'll say there's a great message that I'm going to say with the society and an African continent in general. Let's believe in our products. Let's not expect other people to come and believe in our products. Let's inculcate harness this product that we produce. I mean, art is a very, very important tool, let alone the message. Art is a very important tool economically because it's got secondary and tertiary markets. At tertiary markets, we are surprised that you are buying a Michelangelo photograph of his sculpture for million plus because it was done by Michelangelo. Though he's late, but 
it remains in the market because he left a legacy. So as an artist, you leave a legacy and people sought after that legacy. So what I'm doing and what I'm saying to the people is that keep on producing artwork. Drop me an email on my inbox from my from my website and I'll come to your studio. I'll purchase the art because I run an art bank. With the art bank that I do, I showcase at corporates. I package it and take it to the corporates. Okay, like, these are artworks that you need to believe in. These are that you need to support. Let's support our home-based art products. Thank you very much. Well, Art Means Business is saying goodbye to you. Um, we'd like to thank you for coming on to our show, Daniel Mosaka. We believe that this conversation is not the first and it's not going to be the last. We will continue chatting more from the artist's perspective on what it means to be an artist and what art and business is like on the African continent. Thank you again for coming through. And at home, thank you for listening to our show. We look forward to chatting to you again next week on Art Means Business right here on Africa Business Radio towards a profitable Africa. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.